Welcome to Dead Headspace, a part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. That is with me, Brent LaFaro, Kevin McKinley, and Well Red Beard. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough. Unfortunately, Brennan couldn't make it today. He will be with us in the next episode. Today, I am talking with the sculptor and author known as Tony Rapino. How are you, Tony? Hey, how you doing? Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Todd Keeslin has said on two occasions, maybe more that I can't remember, but two that I can remember, he said you got to get Tony on. He just really is a fan of you, and I, I get why. Uh, so. yeah. Todd has been <laughs> getting on my case to do a lot more of this kind of stuff. I tend to sit back and, and sort of, you know, not go calling people to try to get on podcasts or do interviews or book signings and things. I'm really bad about that. And Todd is my taskmaster. He's like, get on it, man. <laughs> a lot of uh, authors are that way. They're just really shy and feel like it's kind of, you know, it's a, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Shameless, I guess, to promote your own stuff, but it's not. I mean, someone else has to do it. No one else is going to do it. Yeah, no, no, it's true, it's true. I, I got no problem doing that part of it. I just get, I don't know if the word is lazy. I'm not I'm not lazy, but I sort of get in my own head when I'm working, and then I forget about the other stuff sometimes. <laughs> Actually, I saw Todd this a uh, few days ago. Went out to the Mahoning Drive-In. No kidding. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, the Drive-In, what What'd you guys, was that a... Uh, we saw Maximum Overdrive. Oh, okay. It's, um... It's a really great place. Not it's like right between where Todd and I live. Uh, it's like I didn't know you were in PA. Somehow I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 PA. Um, it's like forty minutes from both of us, and uh, they do amazing like triple features, double features, all kinds of retro horror, all kinds of great stuff. And uh, we've been going for years. And Todd loves Maximum Overdrive. He's <laughs> going. Like, all right, we'll do That's it. That's a Stephen King uh, directed film, isn't it? Yeah, it's an awful movie. Awful. <laughs> I see a picture here. I just uh, scrolling through your feed. Uh, who's got the green goblin on their hood? Oh, I, we don't know who those people were. <laughs> <laughs> we saw it from across the, the drive-in, and we're like, oh, let's go take pictures. And we just went over and started taking pictures of it. That's a very big face. Yeah, that. it was huge. There was a couple – there was um, not an RV. I guess it was an RV that had uh, one of those on there too. A couple of people did it. Hmm. So let's jump into what got you into horror, man. What got me into horror? Um, like everything about horror, horror writing, horror fandom, or let's start with the very first moment you can remember with the genre itself, and then we can break off into different uh, branches. I guess that's the okay. Word right right on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's an interesting question for me because I was never very self-aware about identity. And I, um, I didn't realize I was a horror fan until I was in my, well into my 20s. And then, like, only in retrospect, when I looked back, I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I always loved horror. And um, the same can be said for writing. I was writing for probably a year and a half, a couple of years. Um, and I was in this critique group where we would share stories and everything. And uh, one of my, part, my critique partners kind of just out of the out of the blue one day said so you're a horror writer then and i was like oh oh you know i never thought of it um what do you think and they're like yeah you write horror I'm like oh okay 
So yeah, I um I just I don't for whatever reason I never like latched on to those uh, identities myself. I kind of had to be to- I had to other people had to tell me. Um, but yeah, going back, oh god, I mean, there's a hundred stories I could tell you. Why don't I tell you the first? This this is an interesting one. Um, I it's an early memory. I guess probably one of the first horror related memories uh, I could think of. But um, my dad and my mom had some friends over, and they brought over, I don't know what kind of projector it would have been. This is obviously in the 80s, but it was like one of those little projectors, and they had a bunch of different movies that they were Mm -hmm. showing, short films. And um, I had to go to bed. I wasn't allowed to stay up. They're probably showing some stuff that I shouldn't see. Um, (laughs) So, of course, being a little scamp that I am, I (laughs) snuck out. And sort of like around the corner, watched one of part of one of these movies. I didn't see the whole thing, um, and it was it was horror, and it was dark and 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 creepy, and it really got under my skin, and I I loved it, and I was like, this is <laughs> this is great. So um, I don't know how much time passed. You know, this is these are old memories. My my mind is gone at this point. But sometime later in elementary school, I was taking a short story. It was a class. I think it was like a club or something. And we had to write a short story. So as I'm writing, and I don't know if I did this purposely or if it was just like so embedded in my mind from seeing it that it came out that way. But I wrote a story that was largely based on what I saw in that little projector film. And when the teacher gave back the stories... Um, you know, you got to remember, I was in probably fourth grade, maybe fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, teacher gives it back and goes, so, Tony, have you ever read Edgar Allan Poe's uh, Telltale Heart? And I was honest. I said, no, I've never heard of that. And he's like, interesting. Your story bears a striking resemblance to the Telltale Heart. And that's my story about how I plagiarized Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> Do you remember what the film was? It, it's it's a short film. It's actually on a DVD for, I want to say some Tim Burton film. Um, it could be, you know, I can't remember which Tim Burton DVD it was, but one of Tim Burton's DVDs has the short film as like a special feature. Uh, I don't remember off the offhand like what the name of it is, but it's, you know, it's a short film of Telltale Heart. Now, let's jump into a different aspect of our uh, zeroed-in aspect where we talk about sculpting and writing. What Those seem to be your two primary things. What was the first one that you started dabbling? Um, I, well, I guess it would be... It was definitely writing. I, I didn't start sculpting until six or seven years ago, something like that. I was I'm I'm a, a serial dabbler, like I can't help myself. I just I love I love the creative arts, mm-hmm. but I suck at most of it. So <laughs> I spent most of my life trying to figure out which ones I could get away with, mm-hmm. and and seem semi competent, which is hard. You know, I play guitar. I used to draw, paint, uh, obviously write, and for whatever reason, I never tried sculpting. And then a few, you know, six seven years ago. I don't remember what made me decide to do it, but that's how my mind where I'd like, I'll just out of, out of the blue, I'll say, Hey, I should try that. So, um, 
I said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to try sculpting. And I made a little like a trick or treat magnet. And I thought it was all right. And then I said, well, since I made it, I might as well replicate it using like the uh, silicone molds and all that stuff. So I did that and people bought them, which surprised the hell out of me. I was like, oh, OK. So I did it again and I kept doing it. And um, I got a little better with, with each one. I'm still just like a, an amateur. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I just sort of. <laughs> You know, the cool thing about clay is it's like writing in that you fuck up a lot and then just erase it and do it again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm okay at sculpting because if something looks off, I just keep pushing the clay, subtracting clay, adding clay until it looks okay. And uh, that's what I do when I write, too, just with well, words. Yeah, man, that that's actually clay forming your story. That's a great analogy, but that's a literal thing with you. That's fantastic. Uh we had a guy named Henrik Nilsson on episode 17, season one, and he is a sculptor too. Uh, he is a uh, he's in Sweden, and he does all these monsters, creatures too, like J- Jaws, Alien, and Predator. Are two, three big ones that he does, and nice. they're they're killer. We haven't had another sculptor on, to my knowledge, besides you and him. Um, so I'm kind of curious is while you're sculpting, I know with him, he listens to a lot of punk music. Is there anything that gets you in the mood while you're sculpting or is it always kind of a case by case scenario? Uh, yeah, you know, that's a good question. I love that's what actually one of the reasons I love sculpting is because my mind is not occupied with serious thoughts. So like when I write, I can't listen to any music that has lyrics because I will start singing horribly. Uh, cat, honestly, cats outside start yowling along with me. That's <laughs> the worst. So, you know, I, I could only listen to instrumental. I put on a lot of, like, synth wave uh, type stuff, retro-sounding stuff. And um, when I'm sculpting, though, I, have, I could listen to whatever the hell I want. I could listen to podcasts, because it's not going to, like, take my focus away from what I'm doing. I could, so I do sometimes listen to podcasts. More often, I'm blasting, you know, System of a Down, Rage Against the Machine, Tool, Nine Inch Nails, uh, whatever I could, you know, whatever's on my playlist. Um, did, did you, real quick on Nine Inch Nails, did you hear that recent track? I think it's only a week old. Let me look. Uh, I... Okay, so this came out. It's by Health and Nine Inch Nails. Um it is called Isn't Everyone. I've, I don't know how many times I've listened to this now, but it came out on May 6th. Oh, wow. Uh, no, totally under my radar. Yeah, so, I mean, that's only uh, not even two months yet as of uh, the recording date right now. Um, do you know who Health is, the band? No, haven't heard of them. Have you played Max Payne 3? I played, like, probably the first one. Uh, okay, so in the trailer, it's the super, um, I think it's the trailer. There's this really iconic song that goes along with the third game, and um, it's by that band Health. But once you list them, I would look them up, man. They are probably in your field, uh, your railhouse for the bands you just um, described that you like. Because uh, I, too, like System of the Down, love Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor's. To me, he is the most uh, prolific and ingenious author, uh, artist of our time. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I end up throwing a lot of his, um, whatchamacallit, 
like the soundtrack work he does for movies, I end up throwing that stuff on my writing uh, soundtrack. I mean, the guy's done everything from Quake, which was one of the biggest badass games for the 64. He, he's done a bunch of movies. I'm pretty sure he's done something for NASA, too. Um, all his regular albums, stuff now with uh, Atticus Ross, and mm-hmm. it's just unreal, man. Um, and I don't know about you, but for my second choice, it would definitely be Maynard uh, from Tool. Those two are just insanely talented. Oh, forget it. Yeah, I, I listen to, you know, all of Maynard's. Do you bands. like Puss- Pussify? Yeah, yeah, Pussifer, uh Perfect Circle. Oh, Pussifer, yeah. What did I say? Pussify. <laughs> It's a strange band name. That's okay. It's very um, strange. Yeah, I, I, that's a that's the kind of stuff though I could listen to. I get in like sl- I don't know if you're the same way, but I get into slumps where I don't know where what the hell to listen to anymore because I keep when I'm sculpting and when I'm writing, I play so much music that I kind of run out of new stuff to listen to, and I get sort of um, burnt out with what I am listening to. But Tool, you know, any Tool song could go on at any point. I'm not going to skip it. I do get like that because uh, I fall into um, I want to say slumps, but that's not whatever the word is. It's just like phases where I listen to a select few bands. Uh, Led Zeppelin was one for a while. I still love them; they're my favorite band. But like, I have not really listened to them for probably a couple years because I just listen to them so often. Yeah, yeah, I have to take breaks too. The most recent stuff I've been listening to is probably. Um, Church of the Cosmic Skull. Um, what is that? <laughs> yeah, what is that? It's, right, that's a good question. It's It sounds a lot, some of their music sounds a lot like Black Sabbath. Um, Ooh. It kind of, not exactly like Black Sabbath, but it's like a, a mix between Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, some other like 70s psychedelic rock kind of stuff, 80s is kind of mixed in there. It's um, maybe not so much 80s, more 70s stuff. Um, it's really interesting to me. Uh, I dig that. And then um, Twin Temple, uh, which is the, sata- the satanic doo-wop band. They're pretty cool. I've never heard of either one. Have you heard of Greta Van Fleet? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I man. Can't, I, got... I couldn't tell you what, you know, I can't, I can't pick, like, hear the music in my head, but I've heard the, the name. They, uh, as soon as I heard them, I was like, did Jimmy Page just release a shitload of hidden tracks that no one's ever heard of? Because these guys, they're kids. They sound exactly like them. Yeah. Um, let's move on to something that I'm not sure how many listeners will be into this, but whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> some will, some won't. NES games. Now, we sure love when I was looking into some stuff uh, like your Instagram. You got some really neat NES games posted there. That was my first system that I played when I was yeah. three. And Super Mario uh, Brothers won. On an old 12-inch monitor, that that I love NES. I still I don't have my original, but I got an NES and an N64 and a Wii. Um, what is it about the NES that still attracts you to it? You know, I'll be the first to admit that nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and uh, I you know I fall for it, and that's fine. I don't I'm aware of it. I'm aware that I'm like gravitating towards these things because that's what I had. You know, that's what I had when I was a kid. And it reminds me of childhood. And, um, you know, I figure as long as I don't let that overtake me too much, as long as I don't fall prey to, like, trying to relive my childhood, like, all the time, that it's okay to to kind of dip back into that stuff. I don't know if you could see, but actually right here I have 
two boxed NES systems. I see. The one on top is the uh, action set, and the one on the bottom is the deluxe set with the robot. Are are those still? Are they like never been opened? Oh, they they were opened. They were cobbled. <laughs> they're cobbled together. I mean, they're probably not there. It's probably not all the original like stuff that came in that very box, but it's all there though. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I would say it's mostly nostalgia, and also some of the games are legitimately fun and still playable. Like I, I yeah, seriously, I would. I would say any of the Super Mario Brother games, and I know I'm not going deep in the catalog here to say the Super Mario Brothers, but um, any of those games are just still so playable and so much fun. The controls are perfect. Everything about those games, I love them. Um, and then there's obviously, a, you could dip into the catalog and find some pretty decent uh, horror titles. I mean, some of them are kind of crap, but <laughs> it's fun to just go back and be like, oh, wow, Friday the 13th, okay. Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) Have you heard of this one? And I saw this because I got one. There's one nearby video game store. um, And they sell old consoles. Have you heard of Quantum Fighter? Hmm. You you whip your long hair to attack people. It's pretty... (laughs) so weird. Is that... That's an NES game, you said? That's for the NES. All right, right on. I have... um, I have a couple of different emulation sit boxes, so I can, uh, even if I don't own the game, I know it's, it's not 100% legal. Uh, you're supposed to only use the ROMs of the games that you own, but, you know, um, so I'll look that one up. Um, I don't know where to continue with this, but let's, uh, oh, hold up. Sorry, I have a little interruption. Mm-hmm. No problem. So I'm real interested. Let's go back to talking about sculptures. Okay. And oh, wow, we got a surprise guest. It's Todd Keeslin, our surprise guest of tonight. What? Look at this guy. <laughs> What's going on, Todd? Audio listeners, he's giving me the finger saying, wait a fucking second. <laughs> he's repping the Yellow Kings, I see. Yeah, man. I have that shirt. I think he likes that book. <laughs> that's um, that's the uh, the band. Yeah, the band. Yeah, he. <laughs> you, guys, you guys hear me? Yeah, man. Yes. Okay, sorry, I had to mess with my settings. Todd Keeslin is our surprise guest for today. For uh, Tony uh, hi, Tony. Did you miss me? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw him. Uh, so I, is this? Is this why you asked me, uh, at, I think it was at the drive-in, you're like, so are there any, uh, is anyone on the podcast with you? No, actually, uh, Patrick called me earlier today and said that Brennan had, you know, had a sick child. So if I wanted to know if I'd be interested in guest hosting, so I'm like, nice. well, well, not nice about Brennan. That That's awful. But yeah, that's, that's so rude. So before Todd came on, I just segued because he texted me and said, invite me. So I said, all right, let's talk about the sculpture where you sculpted the magnificent piece for Devil's Creek. Please tell me. In uh, audio listeners, he's hold, Todd Keeslin's holding it right now. That's pretty damn cool. Um, by the way, if you have not bought Devil's Creek yet <laughs> and you're going to Scares of Care, check it out. Um, oh, wait, this comes out. After scares of care. Never mind. You should have been there. Um, Tony, Tony, <laughs> tell me from your side. <laughs> tell me from your side 
uh, of the story, how this came about? Uh, you know, Todd started calling me at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning uh, on during the week. And he would just breathe heavily into the phone. I knew it was him. I mean, we got call waiting now, man. Or not call waiting, <sighs> the, uh, call, call her ID. <laughs> but he just he kept doing it. And finally, just like that. <laughs> I'm a little turned on. Uh, no, honestly, it, you know, it wasn't, um, it, I think Todd just asked, you know, would you want to sculpt this uh, piece for me for the book? Mm-hmm. And we have, we, you know, we have history doing this kind of thing because when Dreams from Moon Hill came out for uh, the Kickstarter, I did a ton of different sculptures that was that were related to the stories that were in uh, my collection. So... I was excited to do it, especially because for the longest time, I've been wanting to, that was sort of like in my head, I had this notion that never really came to fruition that I would start writing short stories and like maybe do a Patreon kind of thing or a Kickstarter kind of thing where I write short stories um, and then publish them myself in like chat books and do little sculptures that go along with every chat book and then sell them uh, as like package deals. I never actually went through with that, but um since it was already in my head as something I like doing, getting the go-ahead from Todd to sculpt something from something from Devil's Creek was, I mean, right up my alley. I was like, yes, let's do this. Was there more to the story? There's not more to that, right, Todd? I didn't give you a choice. Okay. <laughs> I basically said, I, I sketched out the the idol for the book. Well, it, I didn't. It, when I sketched it out, I didn't even realize it was going to be in the book. Uh, I just sketched it out so I had a better idea of it when I was writing about it, you know. And after the fact, I, I looked at it. I'm like, you know, Tony could probably do this. So he hadn't sculpted anything in a while, and you know, he was just sitting up there in his cave being a hermit. <laughs> so uh, I basically called him up and I said, "You're going to do this, and you know, you don't get a say in the matter because." This was meant to be. It was meant to be. This was I meant have, to be. I have my, my reserved one over here, too. I did Some of them were glow-in-the-dark, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I especially liked that there was already a pre-existing... That was maybe the... Hmm, no, I can't say it was the first time, but it was, uh, it was neat to have the source material, basically. And um, after having read the book, I was like, yes. So, I mean, Todd, Todd makes it like, I didn't have a choice. I didn't want a choice. I wanted to be forced into this. And it, you know, man, those sold pretty damn fast too. Yeah, they went. Um, they're gone. <laughs> they are gone, except for mine. Uh, the one I saved, I guess. That's the last one. I have the mold still, but I haven't. I haven't actually sculpted in. Um, well, that was the last piece I sculpted. Come to think of it, I haven't done anything since then. No, you haven't. You really should get back to that. It, Although you've been busy writing, so I guess I can't give you that much of a hard time about it. Yeah, that, that and that's the that's the the issue, I guess, with wanting to do so different things like that. They're both time consuming. Uh, sculpting and and writing are both pretty time consuming. So I find myself most of the time choosing one or the other, which is kind of why I fell off the radar for so long with writing was because I was I decided to sculpt, kind of you know quote unquote full time, rather than write, and then. I miss writing terribly. So I was like, I got to get back to that. Shifted back. 
How do you stop writing? Man, my brain hurts when I do that too long. I'm one of those I'm one of those <laughs> weird cats that like you know, I need break sometimes for one reason or another. Um I know a lot of writers are like they have to write every day. They have to get that stuff out. I um you know, as long as I have some someone driving into your house. <laughs> I live on a busy road and that was a truck going by. I can uh, close my window if you like. No, no, oh, sorry. No, that's so quiet. <laughs> Sounded like someone decided to take their motorcycle down the foyer. They were going down this hallway. That was Erica. She took her motorcycle downstairs. <laughs> Does she have a motorcycle? No, Patrick, she doesn't. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> cool points. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's uh, as long as I have some form of creative outlet, I'm okay. So as long oh, as I hear that, if I'm sculpting or you know writing or whatever, as long as something's happening, if I don't do any of it, that's when the brain starts to leak out of the my ears. I've seen but it. It's not pretty. What's that look like? <laughs> yeah. Well, have you ever had like water in your ear? Mm-hmm. Okay, so have you ever like you know dislodged that from your ear canal? Yeah. Okay, so it's usually clear, right? Yeah, usually. Okay, so Tony's is more like a bright purple. Ugh. <laughs> Chunky, chunky purple. Yeah, chunky purple. It's a bit like uh, it's a bit like that creature from Brain Damage. <laughs> hmm. You ever saw that movie? Is that Elmer? Yeah, Elmer, Elmer, the creature from Brain Damage. How'd you two meet each other? Tinder. There's, a, there's this. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go with the alleyway story, but Tinder's not. No, it's okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Tony. Uh, you told the story last time, and I should I should remember it now. Uh, my memory is awful for this kind of stuff, but you you contacted me to like uh, review your book, right? Is that how it goes? Yeah, but like I, I I knew you before that on Twitter because of Mary Rajat, and at the time she was running her review site, Bloody Bookish, and she had reviewed Soundtrack. Mm. Soundtrack came out like a year before the second Monochrome novel. Okay. So you and I kind of conversed back and forth on Twitter quite a, quite a bit. Uh, obviously, I knew you were a kindred spirit because of your you know love for Halloween and, and horror and stuff. So I read your book, really liked it, and then asked him for some unknown fucking reason why to blurb, <laughs> blurb the second <laughs> monochrome novel. And he did, again, for some unknown fucking reason. <laughs> Dude, who just, the fuck is this guy? I just came um, out again. What was my blurb? I wonder what I said. I put your blurb on the back of the uh, the re-release. It's on the re-release? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I ran out of time to get new blurbs. So. <laughs> it's like, son of a bitch. All right. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was something. I'm sure it was something brilliant. It's a great blurb. I'm so glad you're wearing pants right now. I'm disappointed. It, uh, <laughs> it was a last-minute choice. I, I thought, you know, shock the viewers a little bit. Uh, let's see here. The Liminal Man is at times funny, suspenseful, heartbreaking, 
and inspirational, but never disappointing. Kiesling succeeds in crafting an ambitious tale that not only grips you, but demands you answer the most basic question, who are you? Anthony J. Rapino, author of Soundtrack to the End of the World. There you go. That was a pretty good blurb. That was a great blurb. Yeah, yeah speaking of uh, Soundtrack, why don't you tell the viewers that haven't listened, uh, haven't listened, haven't read that yet, what the synopsis is. It is, as you know, I, I kind of like, I'm going to steal this from Todd. I never actually, never actually called it this myself, but it, it's pretty, it's apt. Um, it's a metaphysical zombie novel. It's uh, about a character named uh, Marty Raft and his best friend, uh, Corey. And they kind of notice that weird stuff is happening around town, uh, including uh, suicidal nudists and uh, (laughs) leaving random bowel movements in hallways. You know, normal stuff. Uh, Sounds like a college campus, man. Yeah, right? I mean... That that's a true story. The the uh, hallway turd thing. I'm save sure that, that for, shocks no one. Save that for after your synopsis, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, the um, so they go and then kind of investigate and find this uh, new underground club where they are peddling music that induces what they call an out of body experience. Only uh, things go very wrong, and well, the zombie apocalypse is upon them. That's pretty fucking cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, I was honored to write the foreword for the re-release of Soundtrack for Bloodshot. And uh, it's probably my my favorite zombie novel. And, oh. you know, I, 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 you know, I got to go into this in the foreword. I'm not a huge fan of zombie fiction because mm-hmm. it's all been done so much, you know, time and time again it's become kind of like derivative of itself so it's kind of hard to find something that's original in that subgenre and what are you laughing about (laughs) the motorcycle (laughs) damn it i'm gonna close the window anyway uh you know tony's book i thought was a really fresh and unique approach to the zombie apocalypse you know situation so yeah uh highly recommended i actually gave uh gave you a shout out on my uh howl society q a earlier this evening um i know shane hawk is gonna check out your stuff so oh thank you i appreciate it as always you know i know uh you don't have to say those kind things i appreciate it though man i don't have to i want to and also because you paid me Man, part of the contract says mum's the word. Mom. Non disclosure. Did uh, uh, how the house society Q and A go? Oh, it went well. Yeah, I took my took my licks and kept on going. I mean that <laughs> Shane guy. I don't know why you fucking talk to that dick. Oh <laughs> yeah, jo- I'm just joking. I love Shane. <laughs> Hold on a second. He had a he had a message for me to give to you. Oh Christ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm scrolling through let's see uh he says tell the dhs dudes i said fuck y'all just so we can generate some drama again daddy needs hate clicks i mean so whatever that, that means those hate clicks <laughs> are what he's talking about 
Shane came on our show for the we had a one year uh, anniversary special, and I know him. I knew him well enough at that point, especially where I knew when he was fucking around because he's <laughs> he trolls all the time. Oh, he's a massive troll. And he was doing that on there, and uh, I don't think he would do that on other shows if he wasn't like comfortable with someone. But my God, it was hard to hold a straight face with that guy sometimes. <laughs> uh, getting back to you, Tony. Sorry about that. Um, oh, sorry. I don't know what I asked for all of this. Oh yeah, soundtrack. Uh, then you talked about the story, and I said after synopsis, can you please get to that turn story? So let's hear it, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not much of a story, uh, you know. Um, it didn't occur. It didn't happen to me. It was a. It's a secondhand story. My friend at Penn State just told me about this. You know, they called him the Mad Shitter, like I used in the story. Um, and there was just this guy at college who would randomly shit all over the place. He would shit in in the the washer, the washing machines, the dryers, the hallways. <laughs> Uh, what, type of, yeah. what type of dryer was it like the one where you have to lift up and like jump on the top or the side one? Oh, i don't know um, i would challenges. hope i would hope the most uncomfortable possible position i mean this is a college campus so probably the cheapest possible dryer <laughs> they can find <laughs> i just i always found it so absurd that someone was like going around doing that and i i have an affinity for um Absurd stuff, weird stuff. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement. Oh, look who you're talking with. Well, have you guys heard, speaking of college, have you guys heard of that show, Super Jail? You used to yeah. be on Adult Swim. The first yeah. time. Okay, so basically, Super Jail is just like this. It looks like if you've never done, I, I've never done certain drugs, but if you've done hallucinogens, I would imagine this is what the visual effects would be it's just like this weird anime pretty good yeah uh so it's just like set in a jail and there's a lot of like murder and death and stuff but the first time i saw that i was stoned off my ass and it was at my friend's college <laughs> and i had to walk to my car afterwards really just fucked up and uh it was quiet and there's this killer robot i don't know what the body count was that was weird Tony's screen just glitched. I saw that too. It's like scan lines. What? Who said that? Uh, <laughs> but I was walking to my car and I just kept imagining that robot was going to slice me up. It's a fucked up show, so I'd advise <clears throat> being careful what you take before you watch it. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say that uh, that should go for pretty much anything. I remember one time... Um, in uh it was around college years i guess back when i actually still smoked i don't really smoke much anymore uh, or at all really but um i had gotten fairly stoned and was watching um shit which which one is it uh which had or silence of the lambs with ray Liotta, where they take the top of his skull that's, that's hannibal hannibal, hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> i was watching i was watching that scene where they do that and he's still alive and and sort of reacting to the different parts of the brain that are being cut out. And I um, I fucking lost it. That was not OK. I was not happy about that at all. I couldn't take it. I like it freaked me the, the F out. It was. Yeah, you can say you can say the F word, Tony. I have like a dozen times. I don't know why I censored myself just now. I don't I don't know. 
uh, it, it, listening to you tell that story reminds me of uh, reading about uh, Rob Sheridan's account of taking shrooms before going to see the new Cats movie last year. Bachelors. <laughs> <laughs> he live tweeted it, and then he got uh, some magazine reached out and uh, to interview him about it, and he, like he was terrified. <laughs> If you saw that and that was real, I, I mean, who wouldn't be scared shitless? You guys got cats. Yes. yes. So imagine if those cats were the size of you guys, but with human faces, kind of. No, I, I will not do that. No, I, I mean, their kitty faces convey enough disappointment in me as it is. I don't need a human face. You know, that's too much. That's too much disappointment. Well, did you guys see cats when you were younger? No, that was like I did a- not. I know absolutely nothing about cats. Same here. Erica s- had to explain the concept to me, and I'm like, who the fuck came up with this? <laughs> I still have the t-shirt from when I went. It's T-shirts like that big. I was pretty young. But living in Brooklyn, you know, we would go out to sometimes we'd go to like Les Mis and uh, cats and things like that on Broadway. That's pretty um, cool. Tony, Tony Todd was talking about how he wants to move back to the East Coast and wants to do Broadway. I was like, I, I would, I, in a heartbeat, see that anything he does. I would love to see Tony <laughs> Todd on stage. That right? would be amazing. Speaking of Tony Todd, uh, Candyman, I wanted to see that last year. That comes out August 27th of this year. I can't fucking wait. I just think it's funny than ironic that you're talking about the actor Tony Todd when you have Tony Todd on your show. Yeah, yeah, I was super confused. <laughs> that's great so let's just use the nope never mind tc that's it's like it's like you know they they reached out and got in a hire tony todd to show up for an event and then i show up with tony on my shoulders Oh my god. The new Candyman would star you guys in a trench coat and one of you are in the top like little rascals. You know, I I saw the trailer for that new Candyman movie and I'm 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 there. I want it. I want it now. Right? Yeah. Are we going uh, to hit the Mahoning for the first one? Uh, I'd like to. All right. Yeah, it's been Sorry, a while. Like, no, make okay. a date on your podcast or anything? Oh, no, it's a date, Tony. Now uh, Listeners are, are uh, you know, expectant now. I'm trying to get McKinley to come down and see me, and it would be in that week. But I don't know. I don't know if he is. It's like a week before his wedding or something. So. <laughs> yeah, and also he's in uh, he's in Michigan, dude. Oh yeah, he's he's got like fly, a bunch of flyer miles or something on his fucking plane. I don't know, dude. I don't know that stuff. It just sounds like I'm a moron talking about things I don't know. So let's move on to Halloween 2018, because I know that Tony's a fan of that. Are you Mr. Todd? I fucking hated it. <laughs> Wait, where, where are you getting your information? Well, it's it's simply an assumption, so I'm apparently going to make an ass out of myself. Um, no, no, you're, you're right. I, I thought it was alright. Um, I'm a lot more forgiving of... I mean, you'll find this out <laughs> as Todd and I talk about anything entertainment uh, wise, but 
I'm much more forgiving of the flaws of, of movies and books and, and uh, music and things like that. I, uh, I go as far as to say I embrace the flaws. Uh, whereas Todd, you know, you're definitely vocal about the stuff you don't like. Well, you know, I, I went into Halloween 2018, you know, expecting a lot. You know, that was your I first mean, mistake. Well, yeah, probably, but I mean, them retconning the the rest of the franchise and just you know tying it to the first film, I thought was a you know pretty bold move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I had expectations based on that. I'm like, okay, they must have something really good. I just thought some of the writing was pretty bad, and totally. uh, I mean, you know, a, a horror film. You know, a slasher in particular probably isn't going to have the, uh, you know, the best, best written script in the world. But I don't know. I mean, it's Michael fucking Myers, you know. And for me, like the only part of that movie that felt like a Halloween film is when he's walking down that neighborhood street mm-hmm. and the camera's following behind him and he's going door to door and just on a killing spree. Okay. Like that felt like a Halloween movie. And I didn't like I had issues with like how they they portrayed Lori. You know, I mean, yeah, I get it. She's going to have, you know, some trauma. And I thought that was I thought them addressing her trauma was good. But I don't know the. uh, The whole resolution spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the movie by this point, Uh, the whole resolution with, you know, the daughter and the granddaughter and like the daughter being you know raised almost like a on a survivalist compound in a way like she Lori kind of built her own survivalist survivalist compound anticipating this guy coming back i i found some of that kind of hokey like i i like that they addressed Lori's trauma but i'm not sure believably i could see her actually like retrofitting her house with this giant you know trap (laughs) that was a bit far-fetched for me and uh, And apparently extremely ineffective trap at that yeah there's a lot of a lot of build-up for a lot a whole lot of nothing um no i don't disagree with anything you said to be honest i um i you know looking at the halloween franchise how many movies can you really count off that are like legitimately good movies? And I'll still watch them. Mostly, mostly all of them. There are a couple that I can't like sit down and watch, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't really that, I wasn't expecting much that maybe that's maybe one of the big differences. You sound like you said you were expecting quite a bit. I, well, I wanted to because it. Carpenter gave it his blessing. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, spoke, it seemed like he spoke very highly of it. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of nostalgia porn, too. I mean, it was kind of just going back and ripping so much from the first couple movies to, like, bring back and, and be like, hey, look. I mean, kind of like Star Wars did a little bit when they came back. I, you know, I get that. I get that turning a lot of people off. For me, it was just like, it's Halloween, and I'm at the movies watching a Halloween movie. That's, like, the beginning and end of my you know, uh, positive thoughts about it. It's like, 
I'm just going to shut my brain off. I'm in the friggin' movie theater on Halloween weekend or Halloween week, whatever it was I went to see it, actually watching a new Halloween movie. That that was that's kind of like where my mind goes when I when I do stuff like that. I just get super excited about the experience and um no, but your your comments are totally valid, Todd. And I think most, you know, most people would agree. Also, <laughs> also, I, I and I'll shut up after this. Uh, in the beginning with the the people looking to like get a rise out of Michael, like the very beginning where they're holding up his mask and stuff, and the guy's shouting at him and shit. Right, like. I felt like they had a lot of opportunity with those two characters, and I figured that they would kind of, you know, be along for the ride. And, you know, that they weren't, I, I felt like, like, okay, so this is this is the reason, you know, he... <laughs> I mean, that plus the, the crazy doctor, which I also found that kind of fucking stupid, to be honest. Yeah, that was, that was the... Uh... The twist that didn't go well for most viewers, I don't think. Yeah, it seemed contrived. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was way, you know, out there in left field. What did you did you like it, Pat? Um, I like. Uh, I mean, I like slashers. Um, I liked it. Um, if you ask me if it's a good movie or not, I mean, I haven't thought about breaking it down yet, but it's fun. Um, I can't wait for Halloween Kills. I haven't seen the trailer that they released for it yet. I haven't either. I heard that there's a lot of killing on there, though. I tend to avoid trailers, uh, hype, anything that's going to like make me expect something. I don't like to know anything going into movies, books, whatever. Mm-hmm. I like to go in completely blind. If I know I'm going to see a movie, fuck the trailer. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> just give me the movie. I'll watch it. I'll form my own damn opinion. I'll either enjoy it or I won't. I told, I think this, I don't remember when this was. I believe Todd was there when I said this the last time. But I, I tend to separate, you know, quality from enjoyment when it comes to movies. Not books so much. Well, yeah, books too, I guess, sometimes. I'll, I'll read, like, a not-so-well-written book if it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm less likely to do that than I am to watch like a horrible movie quality wise. That is just fun as hell. I mean, we just saw maximum. Overdrive. Come on, Todd. <laughs> yes, we did. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm all for a, a great bad movie. That's fun. Uh, but I don't know. Like this one just, it didn't, it didn't resonate with me at all. And I even I even went back and watched it again <laughs> when it was on HBO. Just it had been like over a year at that point since I saw it in theater, and I watched it again. I said, "Okay, maybe I was just in a bad mood that day." <laughs> I watched it again, and I hated it even more. <laughs> so, however, I will say that. It was pretty cool that they got a kid who's like the teenage version of Patrick Freevault. <laughs> he looks just like him. Patrick, if you happen to be listening, I love you, man. I have not heard that name uh, in a while. Yeah, I'm friends with him on Facebook and Twitter, I think. Is that how you pronounce his name? Freevault? Yeah. Never knew that. I never even tried. 
It's just a lot yeah. of different words matched one together. First, uh, one of the first guys who came up to be at Nikon and introduced himself when I was like, you know, terrified of talking to anybody. He's one of those guys where I hope that he never like is upset with me because I just he seems really smart and I just don't want to have a debate with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, probably wise. <laughs> he's from I know he's from New York, so yeah, Econ. he's in uh, upstate New York. Okay. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, you know what? You're right because he always has a beer issue. And don't bring that up with him. He does not think that's funny. No, no, he does not. <laughs> I yeah, have not. Yeah. I have not made that joke. To be clear, I have seen other people make uh-huh. that joke. Yeah, he has an apiary. He uh, has his own, um, like pepper infused honey that he sells. Like he grows like ghost peppers and stuff, and he mixes that with the honey. And I bought some of it. It was really good. Wait, so did you say he has a bee a bee problem? No, he has oh, a, a bear, bear problem because of the bees. Oh, a bear problem. <laughs> and I thought you said he has a beer problem. I was like, dude, way to out someone's alcoholism. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, this show is not meant for uh, anything but entertainment and information from fellow creators. I, uh, God damn, dude. I don't think anyone would want to come on my show for good reason after that. Yeah, no, that's it's, it, I don't know why that's what I heard. I was like, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, huh, I guess he's gonna cut this part out. <laughs> Wait, we're recording. <laughs> so let's get back to a question that I had about your name, Candy Corn Apocalypse. Why? Where'd that come from? Uh, it came from me mashing together a bunch of words that I thought sounded cool. I, I tend to do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I hate, you know, here's a, a common misconception. People see, see the name of the business and they think, he loves candy corn. <laughs> uh, I don't. I actually dislike it quite a bit, which is why I think that candy corn will be the reason for the apocalypse. Hence, candy corn apocalypse. Candy corn um, is terrible. Oh, they're, they're awful. I love the aesthetics of them. You know, it's very Halloween-y. I'll buy a bag every year and I'll put it out. I'll even eat a piece or two. Because I forget from year to year, I gotta remind myself how terrible they are. Um, but yeah, that's it. Was really just like uh, one of those. I was trying to come up with something Halloween esque uh, that sounded interesting, that had a little bit of horror with the Halloween, and um, yeah, just mashed stuff together. I like your little icon for audio listeners. Uh, Tony has a little uh, label, a graphic of candy corn apocalypse looks like kind of a mix between uh, frankenstein and a i don't know what it would be mixed with it just looks like an angry candy corn did you make that my brother did oh is he an artist he is a web designer and yeah i'd call him an artist too i guess he does art stuff with the web design that's interesting yeah he's the one who did my uh he did my whole website so if anyone goes to anthonyjherpino.com and they say well well that's a pretty good website right there you can get in touch with my brother he'll make one for you too yes <laughs> for, for free no <laughs> definitely not for free you should put that out there it's uh you know i uh, i'm lucky enough to have someone in the family that does that <laughs> yeah it um yeah <laughs> i'll leave it at that 
<laughs> so in your guys' area of PA, is there a lot of other creators out there? Um, I don't know how close you guys are to, you know, like Keen or Summer Cannon or Matt Wilderson, uh quite a few others. Other uh, creators that we know or? Yeah, in the horror genre, crime, dark fiction. So, I mean, Todd's probably a better person to answer this. Tony I'm, lives I'm about an hour. Actually, Tony lives about two hours north of me. Oh, damn. Uh, yeah, he's up in the Poconos. Um, Keen is about an hour from me. Summer <laughs> Cannon is maybe 20 minutes. Uh, and I know like a bunch of folks live down toward Keen. Like he's more in the York area. Um, so you got, you know, Mary San Giovanni. Uh, I want to say Wesley Southerd is in that area. I could be wrong. Uh, Bob Ford, Kelly Owen are somewhere around that area. I know they they moved a while back, so I'm not certain. Um, now draw a map for us. No. John Bowden lives not... It's funny, because John Bowden and I live like less than an hour away from each other. And we always mean to like catch up and like grab a bite to eat or something, and it, it's never happened in like the eight plus years I've known the guy. <laughs> uh, and so you've also got a lot of folks um, closer to Philly, JC Walsh. Um, you think about this. So a lot of us, uh, Kenneth W. Kane. Uh, the author and editor, he lives uh, about an hour away. We actually, the HWA Pennsylvania chapter uh, meets, well, pre-COVID, we met at his house in his basement. Um, Amanda Headley, Frank Arrington, uh, rest in peace. Uh, he lived closer to Philly. Um, and you've also got authors... Out in the western part, you've got you know Gwendolyn Keist, you got Stephanie Whitevich, um, Michelle Renee Lane. She lives out you know western part of PA. Pennsylvania is full of horror writers. It's crazy. I only know a few in Jersey, like me, Tim Meyer, and Chuck Buddha, and Armand Rosamelia, who moved a long time ago. Um, He's from Jersey, uh, Belford, I think. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know what, Lisa Quigley. I found out that she's also in Jersey. Yeah, her and I talked about that. Um, oh, you know what, Becky? Um, oh gosh, hope she doesn't listen to this. But uh, Spratford, is that it, Spratford? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's from uh, Jersey too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, neat. So, um, talk. Ta- uh, <laughs> God damn it. Now when I say Todd, but and then I'm gonna to say Tony, now I'm getting all mixed up. I'm thinking of Tony Todd. So uh, Todd, do you have a question for to- Tony? <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> oh god, that's such a terrible question. My my real name? Yeah, your real name. Is it not Anthony? Will will you take off your mask tonight and show us the, the lizard person that you are? I mean <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see how the night goes. Might. Uh, yeah, I actually have a real question for Tony. 
<laughs> you didn't think I did, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, so, what are you currently working on, Mr. Rapino? What am I currently working on? Uh, I, uh, all right, oh, well, so, it's funny that you asked, Todd. Huh, interesting. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. I, uh, I'm editing, um, or, yeah, I'm, I'm revising and editing the novel that I've been working on for the past six months or so called uh, Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions. I have to kind of slowly say that because the title changed slightly, and I keep finding myself saying the old title. So um, that is a um, something I was hired to write. Uh, technically, I'm a ghostwriter on it, but my name's going to appear on it, and it was very con- uh, collaborative. Um, so I'm editing that right now trying to get a you know a pretty polished version of that done within a few a couple weeks i don't know we'll see how it goes uh i just wrote a short story that todd here read and said was the worst thing he's ever seen that's <laughs> bullshit it's fantastic well thank you uh so i want to polish that up try to submit that somewhere i am also currently uh, shopping around my previous novel precipice of nowhere um and uh trying to get that placed so that's mainly what i'm working on and then i'm hoping to do some sculpting i would love to get into uh something this summer be it related to tommy and the overlords of the cosmos or just something for halloween coming up i'm not really sure yet but definitely want to do something you should do the maximum overdrive uh goblin face no (laughs) Actually, um, seriously, though, I I did stop doing any um, horror properties. I used to do like trick or treat and you know Halloween stuff. Um, I try not to do anything unlicensed anymore. When I first started doing it, I didn't really know. I was like, because I was making it myself. I figured, oh, okay, I can do that. Um, and people do, and it's most most uh, companies aren't going to actually sue anyone for making ten or 20 magnets based on their movie. But I, uh, just based on principle, and because I know I wouldn't want someone doing that to my stuff, I decided to not do any uh, unlicensed work anymore. So, yeah, everything I sculpt now is either based on, you know, my novels, or if someone like Todd asks me to do something based on their work, or just made up. That makes sense. Let's uh, talk about, I'm glad you brought that up, the Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions. Let's bring that up, man, because I have yet to talk to anyone, to my knowledge, that has worked on a project where they have action figures and a bunch of other merch based on that book. But this is the type of book that, I mean, seeing the artwork, it makes sense. It reminds me of the toys that I'm a 90s kid. I know you guys are uh, 80s. Uh, reminds us of similar toys that we played with. Um, you know, He-Man and uh, some of those comic-y action figures. Um, t- tell me about that. How did that even come up? Uh, there's this guy, Anthony Great, who is uh, pretty, you know, active in, I would call it the retro community. He has a webpage called Retro Days. Uh, he does a lot of stuff. I mean, just a, a ton of different things uh, on YouTube. On uh, He plays... He, um, hosts a, a board game, an interactive board game on YouTube that's free to play, and you can win prizes. 
uh, just kind of gathering people together that are all interested in retro stuff, 80s, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, even early 2000s stuff. Um, he's such a nice guy and does so much for the community that I felt kind of bad. Uh, and I wanted to, I felt like someone should do something nice for him. So I sent him um, my book, uh, Soundtrack to the Underworld. Just, it was around Halloween. I thought he might like it. And he read it and, you know, got in touch with me. He was like, hey, listen, I have some ideas for, for books. And I've tried writing the books, but I'm not good at that part of it. Would you want to write a book based on something that, you know, a story that I came up with? And I was a little hesitant at first, if I'm being honest. I mean, I had the conversation with Todd. I was like, do you think I should do something like that? Because, I mean, I'm sure you know, Pat, and I know Todd knows that we, we have our ideas and we want to. we always have something on the back burner that we want to work on. So I knew by taking something on like this that I would be putting any ideas I have for my own novels kind of off to the side. Um, but, I, you know, I said I was interested, and he sent me a couple of different ideas. The first was like a hard sci-fi thing, and um, I knew right off that I wasn't the right person for it. I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. I thought it was a really cool idea, but I knew I wouldn't do justice. And then the second idea he sent me was much less fleshed out. Um, it was really like a paragraph pitch, basically. Um, and it was largely steeped in 1980s nostalgia. It was uh, inspired by a real-life contest held by Mattel. Uh, I believe it was 1984. Mattel put out like a character creation contest. So uh, all the kids that uh, were fans could create their own character and the winners would have that character turned into an action figure. And I think there were like a college scholarship and, you know, president for a day at, at Mattel. And um, <laughs> the guy, Anthony Great, who uh, hired me, he... Is that he, Great? G-R-E-A-T-E. He, um, he actually entered that contest when he was a kid. And... Um, he uh so th that was the kind of the basis of the of the idea it was about a kid who um was having some trouble at home and at school and he uh found out about this contest and decided to enter it and as trouble mounts at school and at home he starts to imagine these characters from the cartoon and from uh his action figure line kind of coming to life and speaking to him and to make matters worse, he loses the contest. And that kind of like, that, that's like the, you know, the inciting event, basically. And he decides to run away from home and find the kid who did win and try to convince him to let him make his own action figure. At, uh, in the book, it's not Mattel, it's Telco Toys. So it's very loosely based on He-Man and Mattel. That's really cool. Um, just one more time. What is that website? Uh, that website is orderofcosmicchampions.com. And so, what was the retro one? Oh, retro-daze.com. Um, Retro-what? I'm sorry. <laughs> D-A-Z-E. Days. Nice. Um. Man, those action figures look so damn cool. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's the part of it that I had no idea when I agreed to do the book. And, um, you know, the guy at first, 
uh, Anthony was at first, he's like, yeah, I don't even know if I'll ever publish it. I just kind of want to do this, you know, be nice for my kids, that kind of thing. I was like, all right, cool, man. Uh, we got into it. And then I set up a Discord channel for us, a Discord server, so that we could um, discuss aspects of the book and whatnot. And at, all of a sudden, he started, like, posting stuff. Uh, it started, I believe it started with artwork. He He hired two three four artists i don't even remember at this point to uh well he started he did his own artwork uh anthony and then he had other renderings of that artwork he had um action figures are going to get made he got stan bush to do a theme song <laughs> there's a couple things that i'm not going to announce because they haven't been revealed yet but there's a couple more things that are just blow my mind that he actually or you know what i'll reveal one for the podcast How's cool that it's a first exclusive. time exclusive reveal. He's uh, Todd knows about this, but um, he had an animated promo, fully animated promo made that is currently, I want to say, about 80% done. Um, wow. to promote, I assume, the book, but also the action figures and all that stuff. He licensed music for an entire soundtrack. Um, he had some music made and some of it licensed. Uh, but yeah, if you go to orderofcosmicchampions.com, you'll see all of this stuff and more, all the updates. Uh, you could sign up to get, um, you know, emails, I guess, when, when things are happening. So I'm currently editing that novel. And then we're kind of like discussing how we're going to approach this. Um, I'm not entirely sure if he's going to decide to just kind of hire an editor and, and get it published, or if he's going to um, approach publishers and try to get it published through a publishing house. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not sure what, what where the plan is there, but yeah, I'm still kind of putting finishing touches on the novel. That's really cool. Considering, uh, considering all the work he's put into it in the marketing side of things, I would, I would be surprised if a publishing house passed on it because the marketing plan is already there. That's true. Yeah. I can relate a lot more than you realize if you want to hear a quick portion yeah, of that. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you mentioned to me. Um, yeah, so two years ago, two summers ago, I was on this Facebook, or it might have been a year. I, time doesn't matter anymore. Um, I was on this Facebook group for a very limited amount of time due to just too many people being idiots on it. But um, it was for writers. Uh some are looking for projects. Some are looking for graphic designers. There's this one dude, composer, um, looking for someone to write a book for his story idea. And I don't know what made me go like, yeah, I want to do that, go down that path, because I've I've had people say, oh, you're. I don't like people knowing I'm a writer now if it's not someone in this one of us, basically, because. Uh, I don't want to hear about this one time you almost wrote a book or whatever. I'm just not interested. I mean, I'm sure we've all heard that. That never shit. stops. That never, ever, ever stops. I just don't give a fuck. I, I look, <laughs> I, I could die in a second. Don't tell me this shit. But anyways, um, uh, we talked. Uh, we talked for months. Um, I liked his idea. He's uh, a composer and um, and a voice actor, and he uh, he and I just clicked. And I said, let's just take it nice and slow. Let's get to know each other first. See if this is even. See if we can even bounce ideas off of each other. We did. It worked. We outlined the hell of a story. Um, sci-fi, fantasy, young adult, 
whatever. I don't know how else you would describe the genre. It's fun. And within after about 30,000 words, um, I started adding some heavy horror into it. Mm. He's like, he's like, that was dark. I'm like, yeah, that ain't nothing. <laughs> so it's going well. 36,000 words in. Yeah, we got a big plan. He's commissioned artwork. And it just sounds like it parallels what you were talking about. And um, it sounds like we both got lucky because yeah. he took a risk. His name's Luke Truen. He took a risk on me as I did with him. Mm. But I love the story. I at first felt like his, but now it's ours. And it sounds like that's the same thing for you. And that's just not everyone gets that. Um, it's just really neat when that happens. Yeah, yeah. I I couldn't agree more. It it was, you know, uh, a serendipitous sort of thing that happened because you know I didn't know what to expect. I never ghost. I wouldn't even call it ghostwriting necessarily at this point. I, I don't think your name's on it, dude. It's not ghostwriting. Yeah, it's um, you know. It, when I drew up the contract, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I thought like, okay, you know, this is going to be like a ghostwriting thing. And then, um, I don't know if it was, I, I just, I, I approached him in this way. Like I knew he was very close to the, the idea, obviously. And, um, I related to it in my own way. It, it paralleled a lot of things that I went through when I was a kid and um like for instance i didn't enter the the he-man contest but i did send away designs for battle trolls to um hasbro and i actually still have that i still have the sketches and the letter they sent back to me and everything and i was telling them about this i was like you know man this is like this is just like what happened to me only you know different company basically and um we were much more collaborative in the process than I knew we were going to be. And it somehow we were on the same page all the time, uh, which is a blessing. You know, if anyone has ever worked with a partner and had to like, and things weren't working out and you had to like kind of butt heads a little bit, um, you might realize like having someone who's like on the same page most of the time, it's good to have someone who, who is critical and make sure that you're producing your best work. But it's also really helpful to know what you want and both be kind of on that same page. I wanted to touch on something you said about genre, too. You mentioned that in your case, it was like a, what would you say, sci-fi? Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, he described that he wanted, it's not hard, hard sci-fi. Like, I like sci-fi, but once it starts, I'm just going to say it. Whoever gets mad gets mad. And once it starts getting to that nerdy shit, like I'm not writing nonfiction. I don't get it. I'm not smart enough. So it's like it's technology that I guess could be believable. Well, it has to be. Otherwise, who the hell is going to read it? Um, but it's sci-fi fantasy, but we're calling it young adult because it's my understanding that young adult involves the main character is uh, in their adolescent teenage years. Right on. And then you said that you were like adding in your you, that you ended up adding in a little bit of horror as you were writing. Oh, I told him I'm like if you I'm like I'm gonna, I can't help it, dude. It's gonna have horror in it. <laughs> I just I love that because it's again the parallels there are yeah. so striking. Um, because you know technically what I'm what I wrote the uh, you know Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions technically I would categorize it as like a coming of age you know, low fantasy or maybe intrusive fantasy uh, set in the 1980s, okay. you know, period. <laughs> but being a horror writer, I, you know, at times wrote some fairly dark stuff um, <laughs> that 
still would be family friendly. I mean, you know, that was actually the only time that uh, Anthony and I, we didn't butt heads on it, but the only time we weren't totally on the same page was he read some of my uh, initial drafts of chapters. And he was like, listen, uh, about the cursing. And I was like, oh, is that not okay? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'd like to show it to my kids. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, I gotcha, gotcha. So I, um, I was like put in a position where I had to write something in, um, I wouldn't call it young adult, but I guess technically it, maybe it is because it's, it's totally family friendly. There's nothing in there that uh, younger people couldn't read. But I loved, like, at first I was like, oh, man, how am I going to do this? But then at the end of the day, I really loved having to, you know, go outside my comfort zone, try something a little different. Because I'm so used to just writing what I want to write and not really thinking about, you know, am I cursing or not. Um, so knowing that I couldn't do that or that at least that I should keep it to a minimum and keep it like real, really like subtle stuff. uh forced me to write in a way that I maybe don't normally write, which was a lot of fun. Um, but there, yeah, I got a lot of a lot of little horror elements in there too because I had to. That's awesome. Is there a lot of world building in yours? Because it looks like there is. <clears throat> so here's here's another part where the partnership was a blessing. Um, the story largely takes place in the real world. That's why I call it intrusive oh, fantasy. Okay. Right, so intrusive fantasy meaning that you know there is this otherworldly element that is intruding on the real world. Um, <clears throat> as far as the Order of Cosmic Champions, all of those characters, the backstory in that world, Evernitia and uh, Teltam, uh, that is like ninety percent him, Anthony Great. So he came up with the character names, the designs, the backstory, and that that you know <clears throat> that was like what he was working on as I was writing the novel. And then I essentially was sort of taking these characters that he created and putting them into the novel I was writing. And I was saying, okay, because I you know I knew that there were going to be these characters from a cartoon intruding on the real world, but I didn't come up with you know for instance fierce phantos um the name the design that's all anthony great and then interestingly enough there's a character you might be able to find it on the webpage called mechanical yeah it's an action figure i'm on the website right now yeah that is anthony's actual real life design that he submitted to the contest oh so he used his real design within the world of this novel and everything. That's so I, that's so cool. Yeah, it really is. And I was I was so like um, I was just really happy that he was doing that part of it mm -hmm. because I'm not a fantasy writer and I'm not as um, I'm not not that I'm not a fan of He-Man, but I'm definitely not as big a fan as he is. So if it were up to me to do something that's like he-Man-esque and uh, paying homage to that in in a in what I would think of as like a, a sentimental sort of way, I probably wouldn't have been able to pull it off in the way that he did. So it was it was great that he was working on that side of things and that I was uh, you know 
he was, you know, just like in the Discord. He's like, here's the next character. I'm like, nice. And I just put her in the novel, like, there we go. That's awesome. I want to read that, man. I mean, that looks so cool because it. You got to do shit that stands out too sometimes, man, especially for guys like you and I who are, we don't have, I mean, you got a bigger track record than me, so that's not fair to rope you in with me, but you kind of got to do something different if you want to stand out, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I guess. I, You know, I don't really, I think that's why I have so much trouble getting an agent and, and things like that, is I really don't think about that side of things that much. Like, the novel I'm shopping around right now, uh, Precipice of Nowhere, that was me uh, writing the most batshit crazy, absurd, cosmic horror novel that I could think of, (laughs) playing with as much structure and character and theme as I wanted to, never once thinking about, is this marketable? And, um, you know, when I try to write a pitch for it for an agent who's looking for specifically something you can market... I just don't know that I can. You know, I try. I absolutely try. And not to say I don't think it's marketable, um, but it's hard to, like, what I wrote is really hard to, like, say, okay, you know, this is what it is. Um, maybe I just suck at that. Maybe I think I'm just really, I'm really bad at that part of the, the business. I don't know much about that side of it yet, man. But, uh, uh from what I gather, there's there's always something new of someone's sleeve. Yeah, I don't know. I look to Todd. I say, Todd, help me. I mean, Todd, Todd is Brennan and mine's like sage wisdom person too. So <laughs> that's that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, with 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 what Tony's talking about, I mean, the the challenge is always mm. it really. I mean, in this day and age, we are fortunate that we have more options than just get an agent and, you know, try to sell it to a large house. Uh, Because for a long, a long time, that was it. Uh, You know, you could always try going the self-publishing route back in the, you know, the 80s or 90s, but that was so frowned upon. You know, now we at least have, you know, a wealth of independent publishers small publishers uh who are more niche focused you know you have publishers that are entirely focused on extreme and splatterpunk horror you know you have publishers that lean more toward the quiet horror cosmic horror um you know and, and you know it, I, I think it's absolutely, you know, great that Tony is continuing to try to get an agent, but at the no, same I'm not time, anymore. not right now. Oh, okay. Uh, I think that the challenge becomes, you know, obviously, you know, as as a writer myself, I never sit down and think I need to write something that's commercially viable. You know, I need to write something that fits this <laughs> trend so that I can be the next whoever. Right. You know, I don't sit down and write like that. Some people do. Some people are very successful at it and more power to them. You know, but a lot of us I know just sit down and we have a story in our heads and we need to get it out. And, you know, even even with an agent, you know, you'll run into opposition where they want you to change certain aspects of the story to be more marketable 
or to cut it down to be more marketable <clears throat> or, you know, uh, you know, change this, change this, this character doesn't work, you know, try doing something like this. This character should be a different, you know, different sex or, you know, this character should be different, uh, you know, different race. And, you know, it's, there's this constant push and pull between, writing for the market and being true to your vision. And ideally you want to have something that meets in the middle, but you know, it's not always like that. So, you know, with, with Precipice of Nowhere, I think, you know, for as batshit crazy as you make it sound, I, I have not yet read it. And to my shame, I haven't, uh, cause I've had the book for like two years. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> it that long? has it really been that long? I yeah, wrote it like, yeah, I guess I wrote it a couple summers ago, and then I was trying to get it. I was focused. I was so focused. If if my if I have any flaws, and I, I have plenty, I have plenty of flaws. But uh, one of the one of the biggest ones is that I don't take Todd's advice quickly enough. And very early on, Todd was like, "Don't bother with the agents. Get it at a publisher." And he gave me a list of publisher names that he thought were uh, you know suitable. And I was like, "No, nah, man. You know, I'm going to try to get an agent." And I wasted a year doing that. You know. <laughs> Uh, only, only very recently, only like within the last, what, few months, couple of months did I submit it anywhere, a publisher wise, um, you know, and it just got to a point where I was like, I, you know, I, I want to see this, see the light of day, you know, I kind of, I believe in this novel. Um, although I do, I do definitely have at the darkest moments of night have uh, huge doubts about it. Like it's the worst. Oh my god, it's so bad. I don't know a single writer who doesn't have those thoughts about their latest, you know, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I have that with everything I write. There's stages for me, and I'd love to hear if this is similar to you guys. Um, I love this idea. I'm going to fucking write this right now. Oh, why am I doing this? This sucks. Okay, it's all right. I well, <laughs> in a lot of cases like that, I mean, uh, you know, I can only speak to my own process. And like, I have so many, you know, unfinished stories because I had that. I was gripped by like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. I have to get this down. <laughs> and I get, you know, a certain way into it. I'm like, yeah, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to work on something else. And I set it aside. But the cool thing is, is that you can go back to that anytime. Mm-hmm. in the future with fresh eyes. That's how the final reconciliation happened. That's how Devil's Creek happened. Uh, that's how the last monochrome novel ha- happened. Um, so, you know, uh, something I, I always tell people is, you know, don't truly delete anything. Always hang on to it because I've cherry picked lines and paragraphs and whole scenes from other stories and retrofit them into what I'm currently working on. Oh, hell yeah. 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 That, that's a great piece of advice right there. It's like you don't want to waste a single word unless it's a, a crappy sentence, then just delete it. But if it's something that like like Todd's saying, like a good chunk of writing that's just in a bad story, you know, you, you might rediscover that later on and be like, ooh, that works. And you kind of steal it and use it yeah. somewhere else. It's I've, um I Frankenstein pieces from different mm. stories too. I mean my thought process is like I don't know if I'm ever going to use this novel short story. So I'm just going to fucking use it for this. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 for me, it comes down to just being lazy. Like, I already <laughs> wrote this. I'm just going to fucking copy this over. Fuck this. 
<laughs> and I'll, right. make it, I'll make sure that it, it flows and that it, you know it has cohesion mm-hmm. but you know it, if i already set it somewhere else and i that place you know that story never found a home or i never finished that story but it works in this thing i'm working on now why not mm. that's true um, you guys want to talk about anything else before we jump into what are you reading? Um, no, let's, uh, I think we jump into the next thing. You know what? Just, uh, very quickly though, uh, kind of going back to what you were saying about that, that feeling of writing something and, and sort of like hating it and then loving it and then, <laughs> you know, going back and forth. First of all, yeah, absolutely. I definitely experienced that. But then interestingly, um, when I find like I'm happiest with something I'm writing, it's when I'm not trying to do something, uh, which I know sounds weird, but like sometimes the best stories I write and my favorite stuff that I write happens almost accidentally. Like I don't have an idea. I just have a feeling mm-hmm. like I just feel some, uh, and this is so hard to explain, but like, I, you know, there's, there's a, a, a certain frame of mind and emotion that I sometimes get into when I sit down to write and I don't necessarily have like a great story or plot. Um, and I just write and, you know, eventually the story comes out. Those, when I'm not actually trying to do something, when I don't have like this big plot that I'm trying to make happen for whatever reason, those are probably the happiest writing moments I have when I'm just kind of like, I feel good and I'm writing. Yeah, totally get it. It's kind of the equivalent of Tony just like stripping down to nothing and frolicking through a field with no worry. You said you wouldn't talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, NDA and everything. I uh, I have a 1978 action figure. It's not from that year, but it's Michael Myers, the original. That's sweet. It's awesome. Yeah, we were talking about it. I meant to show you guys earlier. And he's next to my Freddy vs. Jason, Jason. And nice. Freddy said. I love that movie. I know it's not a fan favorite, but Freddy vs. Jason is one of my favorites. Well, it was it's just fun. like, it was like a, you know, a fan's wet dream come true, kind of, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to see a million sequels of them. If, if Kane Hodder played Jason, I don't know why I didn't. Um, let's jump into what are you reading? Tony, what are you reading right now? I am in between books, actually. I just finished reading uh, Nikki Nelson Hicks's, uh, I guess, collection called the uh, you know, Jake Ishtonhedji Accidental Detective Volume 1 or uh, the yeah. Omnibus Volume 1. Yeah, it's the um, Omnibus Volume 1. Yeah, a- outstanding, like just like dark noir detective horror. It, it was it's- a lot of fun. It's pulpy. It's, you know, doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I was digging that quite a bit. Um, I have a couple of her other things sitting here, but I'm going to... I'm actually I'm right there about to start uh, Malignant Summer. Oh, that's a good book. I have it, I have it sitting there, and um, I was actually going to start it today, but then got sidetracked with a couple of things. And you're yeah, going to love that book. You're going to yeah. love it. I mentioned it to I mentioned to Todd. I was thinking about picking it up. He's like, "Do it. You'll love it." Yeah, and it's I was a watching... follow up to Devil's Creek. It's a sequel, direct sequel to Devil's mm. Creek. Actually, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was watching uh, Tim on the podcast, and you know that just solidified the uh, the purchase. So I liked it. How, I don't I don't know anyone that doesn't like that guy. He's so friendly. Fuck that guy. No, I'm yeah, kidding. fuck that him. guy. <laughs> <laughs> you changed he's my one, opinion. <laughs> he's one of those writers that like uh, I follow. Like we follow each other on social media, but I've never actually spoken to him. There's so many authors like that that we we follow each other, but. Never have uh, never have spoken. Got a got a signing event with him uh, the weekend before Scares That Care in uh, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Let's talk about that afterwards, man. Well, you know, fuck it. Talk about it now. Wait, no, that was yeah, that uh, should so. have been there. It was great. We sold. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it after we're done recording because I actually want to get the information for that. Um, Todd, what are you reading right now? Uh, I am also in between books. I um, I just read uh, Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke by uh, Eric LaRocca. It's the third episode that, that's been brought up by yeah. guests. That's such a good, and I'm not stopping it, that is such a good fucking book, man. I enjoyed it. Um, I also read uh, Slattery Falls by Brendan LaFaro. <laughs> providing a blurb for it. That's I liked awesome. it that much. Uh, and I also just read the first volume of uh, Something is Killing the Children. It's a graphic novel. That <laughs> uh, was pretty good. I've wrapped up the last volume of Gideon Falls, which is fan-fucking-tastic. Gideon Falls. Yeah, it's a graphic novel <laughs> comic series that's in six volumes, and uh, it's... It's amazing. Hmm. It's dark. It's horror. It's Lynchian. Uh, I still have that on my Amazon list after you uh, recommended it. Yeah. They'll probably do like an omnibus edition at some point in the future. Like I bought each volume, you know, one by one. I'd finish one and order the next one. Cool. Nice. Um, so I am uh, on the third book in the blue rose trilogy by peter straub uh, it's called the throat they're very long books i'm listening to them on audio uh the throat's the longest one it is uh, a little over 27 hours so it's holy crazy. shit it's, it's a big boy and for the first time i'm reading uh books of blood by the time this comes out i'll probably be done with it but um i it's not a secret clive barker is in my top three uh, i love him so much and the third book that i'm going to be starting soon is ira levin's uh, rosemary's baby for the first time it's nice. gonna be our uh july august uh first the episode comes out uh for unburying the dead and if you're listening to this check out unburying the dead where we just released episode five a couple weeks ago. Math is hard. Um, we had Jonathan Jans on for our first guest host with uh, Kevin Witten, Well Beard, me, Brennan, and Ken McKinley. We talked about Jaws. And I don't know if you guys read that book. The first time I read it was this year, last month. And, um, man, it's, uh, it's a little bit different than the movie. I like the movie a whole lot more. I've heard that a lot of people who've read the book prefer the movie. I've never actually read it myself either. I'll just put it this way without spoilers. There's parts in it where you can understand why it was cut out from the movie. <laughs> yeah, I've never, uh, read, I've never read that, but I am trying to curate, like, I don't know if you guys are this uh, like this with seasonal stuff, but 
I'm trying to curate the summer movies and summer books. And, you know, Jaws, like Jaws, summer books. Jaws would be up there for a summer book. Oh, yeah. I think it's worth it's absolutely if you like horror, um, it's it's not a bad book. But like once you see a movie, it's so rare where you like the movies better. But once you see a movie, man, I mean, that's the only case where I know movies better. Lord of the Rings is that that movie was ex- the trilogy was excellent. But <clears throat> I, I would, I would I argue. Know. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was um, thinking people are probably going to uh, maybe disagree on this one, but I think Fight Club is a better movie. I agree. I mean, I'm a huge Chuck Palahniuk fan, but I um, I definitely think the movie edged it out. Mm. That's fair. Um, it's a rare case to say that the movie's better, though. I think it's fair to say. But oh, yeah. It's- but if you like horror, it's definitely worth reading, especially in like the summertime. It's not a super long book either. Uh, real quick, listeners, if you are interested in some Dead Headspace merchandise, well, guess what? You are probably already aware, but Todd Keeslin has done again a new logo for us. It's not far. It's not super different from the old one. Um, we just wanted to have a new one, spice it up a little bit. Um, so check that out. You can get it on a T-shirt, coffee mug, a few other things. By going to deadheadspace.com, click on the <laughs> he's doing the thumbs up. Click on the store tab, or you can check out articles, reviews, a bunch of other stuff like that. Final thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, Tony Todd, <laughs> what are your uh, final thoughts? <laughs> my final thought is, is you talking about Jaws reminded me of one of the funniest things I've ever seen on Reddit, where a guy said that if you play Jaws backwards, it's about a shark who goes around puking up tourists until there are so many they have to open up the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's, That's my a, final thought. That's, <laughs> That's a good final thought. That's a great way to end the episode. <laughs> Tony, what's yours, man? Uh, my final thoughts are twofold. Uh, first... I had a great time and honestly forgot we were recording this to put anywhere and just had that good of a time and kind of wanted to keep talking. And my second thought is um, we're really lucky we're stopping before I got to my fourth drink. (laughs) I noticed that. I saw you sipping from that. Yeah, I had to have a little bourbon for the show, you know? Uh, What kind of bourbon? It's a Knob Creek. Hell yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like Knob Creek too. It's yeah. pretty good. Uh, my final thought is I appreciate you, Tony, for being on, man. Um, I keep mixing up in my head Tony Todd and Tony and Todd. Todd, I appreciate you too, man. Thank you so much for being a surprise guest host for uh, no problem, the first man. half of the name. Always happy to be here. Thank you. And you'll be, uh, we'll probably get him back plenty of other times. Um, hopefully. Uh, next episode, episode 103. Three is uh, next Monday. It is with Catherine McCarthy. We talk about Off Limits Press's Immortal. I hope I said that word right. Listeners, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. Dead Headspace.